want you to know at the end of the service today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate in something that will impact the nations. And you don't have to leave your home or your job or your school, but today you get an opportunity not just to give, but to literally impact the world. So I just want to tell you from the very beginning, I want you to be ready that when you give you that opportunity, simply the Holy Spirit's preparing you now to say yes, and you don't even know what you're saying yes to. Then I want to thank Pastor Jeff and Amy for the opportunity. Now I know they just transitioned as your new senior pastor, and to give up your pulpit so early in your tenure, I know is, I could tell you're itching to preach. <laughs> and so uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. I know it's uh, a sacrifice for you. And so I, I don't take it for granted. Thank you. And I want to let you church know I, I, I don't do this often. I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor. Uh, right now I pastor missionaries. But I just felt last night, we came here for a dinner with your leadership. And this morning, you ought to be a volunteer at this church because if you're a volunteer, they have this breakfast on Sunday mornings. That's really good. You ought to volunteer just to get to go to the breakfast. I'm just telling you uh, on doing that. And my wife and I were like, we felt like home. And uh, I felt God gave two words for this church, and that is good future. I believe God is moving this congregation. You've had a good past. Thank God for the past. But I believe that God's moving you into a good future, and we just speak that over this church. I serve as the member care director for. Assembly of God World Missions, and we oversee three ministries. One, I want to thank this church because you're very involved in it, and that's our missionary kid ministry. And this church goes on task force and ministers to our missionary kids when that's part of our ministry there. I'll explain more about that later, but thank you for your investment as a church and to our missionary kids. It is appreciated. So we oversee that department. We oversee uh, missionary wellness. That's ministry to our missionaries. So missionary kid, it focuses on the missionary children, and the wellness focuses on the missionary. We want both of them to be healthy and productive in what they do. And then we also oversee our global security department. And I just uh, appointed, selected a new global security coordinator as his title, and literally two weeks later, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, he got baptized by fire. And... Uh, we, we, we still have missionaries in both countries, by the way, please be in prayer for them, as well as the million of immigrants that are flooding into Europe right now from Ukraine. It is a crisis. Uh, those immigrants are coming in, uh, no food, no job, no place to live. Many of them are just women and children because their men are going back to Ukraine to fight. And, uh, uh, but also an opportunity to share gospel to people who are open to the gospel, maybe for the first time in their lives. So, crisis brings opportunity. But when Russia invaded Ukraine, I thought a lot about the last days. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of biblical prophecy today, but I do believe Jesus has taught us something that would happen in the end times. That Again, I'm not here about dates and that type of thing, but if you study a biblical prophecy, Russia is definitely included as the big bear and an end time prophecy. And, and I began to get questions as I traveled and people were asking, what does this mean when, when Ukraine is now exerting its, uh, Russia is exerting itself again after a long period of time? And I went to the book, if you have your Bibles or your devices, look at Matthew chapter 24. 
Because in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus tells us three things about the end times. Now, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. The first two are negative and the last one's positive. But I believe uh, uh, Warren Bennis says the first duty of a leader is to define reality. We need to understand reality about the times in which we live if we're going to participate in what God's going to do in these last days. And again, I don't know when Jesus is coming again. I'm not setting a date. But here's what I do know. We're one day closer to the second coming of Jesus today than we were yesterday. And tomorrow we're going to be one day closer than we were today. And we're getting closer to that time when Jesus comes for his church again. Amen? But in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives us three things about the world when he comes again. And here's the first one. First one is this. The world will get worse. Isn't that encouraging? The world will get worse. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 5 through 6. This is what Jesus said about the world before he comes. And you will hear of wars and rumor of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. Look at this. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all of these were at the beginning of the birth pains. Now, ladies, I want to quickly state this. I know nothing about being pregnant. And I know nothing about giving birth to babies. In fact, I, I, I am actually a stepfather. My, my wife uh, uh, was married for several years and her first husband died in an accident. And so I'm a stepfather. So literally I've never been present for the birth of a baby. I've never changed a diaper in my life. It's a great thing. So I got on there already potty trained and the whole thing, it was great. So I wanna admit from the very beginning, I know nothing about birth pains, but here's what I have been told. That when the baby comes, birthquake pains increase in frequency and intensity, right? The birth pains get stronger and they come faster. And that's how you know that the baby is getting ready to be born, correct? That's what Jesus said about our world. That wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes, natural desires, pandemics, All these things will increase in frequency and increase in intensity before Jesus comes. And I think we can look at our world today just coming out of a global pandemic that we're seeing these things increase in intensity and in frequency in our world today. This is a sign to us. Again, I'm not here to set dates, but Jesus, this is a sign to you that the the end is coming. The second thing about the world's going to get worse, and this is even more discouraging. Look at 2 Timothy. It'll be on your screen. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Here's what Paul told a young pastor about the end times. But understand this. So church, this is something you need to understand. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lover of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How many feel better now? Say amen. Here's what the Bible says about the end times. Not only will the world will grow worse, but you know what? People will grow worse. Think about that. My wife and I served nine years in Egypt. We left for Egypt in 2013 and came back last year. And it's been a difficult adjustment coming back to America for us. Because you know what happened? The nine years that I was gone in Egypt, 
America changed. We see the rhetoric rise. It disturbs my spirit. It seems like today in America, it's more important to be right than to be in right relationship. It seems in America today that if you have any opinion at all, that, that, that man, the anger and, and the aggression that's happening in America, we saw, because we were gone for nine years, we came back, we saw, so I love sports and I, I love to watch ESPN. But even when you watch ESPN today, they don't show highlights of the previous games. They just argue about who's better at what. Like, I don't even like watching ESCP anymore because all it does is raise my blood pressure. And these guys on there who I don't know who they are or whether they're just yelling at each other on, on television. I'm like, we're now entertaining ourselves by people shouting each other down. And I've seen in America the rhetoric, the anger, the frustration rise in America. And we saw it through the political. We've seen it through, through the different demonstrations. And again, I'm not here making a political statement. All I'm saying, my wife and I were shocked at how different of a country we came back to. Now, let me say this. I still believe America is the greatest country in the world. I lived nine years in, in the Middle East and the Arab world. I, when I came back to America, when I got off the plane, I knelt down and kissed the ground and said, thank God for the USA. You won't find anybody more grateful for that country than I am. When you live and gone to places that I've gone to, you're very grateful for where I was raised. And by the grace of God, I'm an American and I appreciate that. But I think all of us would realize it's gotten worse. It's gotten more hatred, more heated. In my lifetime, America is more divided than ever before. And it grieves me. But Jesus said we shouldn't be surprised by any of this. The world's going to grow worse and people are going to grow worse before he comes. Hatred's going to rise. Division's going to increase. Wars are going to increase. Earthquakes are going to increase. Famine is going to increase. It's going to increase in intensity and increase in frequency. Second thing Jesus said about the last days is found in Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 and 10. Listen to this. It says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. The second thing Jesus said will happen in the end time is that spiritual warfare and persecution against Christians will increase. Spiritual warfare and persecution against Christians will increase. Now, we're seeing that today more than ever before. There are more martyrs for Christians in the world today than ever before. One thing I want you to pray for, you know, you're all watching Russia invading Ukraine, and we're praying for Ukraine, and we should. But I want to encourage you to pray for the church in Russia. See, the church in Russia has come out against uh, Russia invading Ukraine. But the, the government in Russia right now is not tolerating a lot of dissent. And because the church in Russia has stood against the war, they're now facing persecution like you've never heard of. Our missionaries who are living in Russia right now and ministering in Russia are in some, some, some tough times. And I want to encourage you, your brothers and sisters in Russia who are at the risk of their own life. Right now, if you, if you speak against Putin, you disappear. There's not free speech there right now. You understand what I'm saying? And so here we got Christians in Russia standing against the war at great cost. But that shouldn't surprise us. Because Jesus said in the last days, the persecution and spiritual warfare against believers will increase. We're now seeing that in America. 
Today in America, if you hold traditional biblical values, you face more backlash than ever before. There are people in America that if you stand for biblical traditional values, they're trying to silence you. They want you to get fired from your job. But here's what's, listen, listen. It's just gonna get worse. There's no political solution to this. There's no educational solution to this. This is a spiritual battle happening in America. And Jesus says in the end times, spiritual warfare and persecution against believers are gonna get worse. Now, again, I'm not saying this to discourage you, and I'm not even trying to alarm you, but here's what I believe. Again, the first duty of leadership is to define reality. You need to be people of prayer, and you need to be people of the Word. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it more than ever before, because if you think America's going to turn around and begin to accept traditional biblical values, friends, I think you're mistaken. I think the spiritual war against traditional biblical values in America is only going to increase and only get worse. So you need to know why you believe what you believe. You need to get deep in the word of God. Your love for Jesus needs to go greater than ever before because you're going to have to stand against persecution like you never have. In America today, we're not in a place in the, in the part of the world that I, I ministered in that you would get arrested for your beliefs in Jesus, but I'm not sure we're that far away. And are you willing to stand up against the persecution for your beliefs in Jesus and for your beliefs in the Bible? Jesus says you need to be because the world's going to grow worse. People's going to grow worse. And persecution and spiritual warfare against believers is going to increase. That's the truth about the end times. Now, I told you beginning, two negative, one positive. How many say, Kevin, get to the positive? Say amen. amen. Here's the positive. So number one, the world's going to grow worse. Number two, spiritual warfare and persecution in Christians is going to increase. But here's number three, the church will advance. The church will advance. Because here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. He says, in this gospel... The good news of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to what? All nations. Look at that word again. All nations. And then what will happen? The end will come. Jesus said that before he comes again, that the good news of Jesus Christ will be preached in every nation of the world. He says, you know what? The world may grow worse. Persecution may increase. But none of it will stop the church of Jesus Christ from advancing in this world. Nothing will stop Connection Point from advancing in Lafayette, Indiana. Nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ from seeing revival in America. And nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ for proclaiming the good news of Jesus to every nation of the world. Satan cannot stop the church. The media cannot stop the church. No politician can stop the church. Putin cannot stop the church in Russia. He may try to snuff it out, but greater is he who's in the church in Russia than he that's in the world. Yes, the world's going to go worse. Yes, persecution's going to increase. But Jesus says, my church will advance. He said it again in the book of Revelation, in that vision that John received. Look what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. He said, John says, I looked, and behold, I saw a great multitude that what? No one could count. From where? Every nation. 
from all tribes, peoples, and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches in their hands, crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. John saw a vision of heaven. And in that vision of heaven, every nation is represented. Every tribe's represented. Every language of the world is represented. Lafayette, Indiana is represented. That no matter what happens in the world today, they cannot stop the church. Jesus prophesied this in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 18, he looked at Peter and says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And what? The gates of hell shall not (coughs) prevail against it. What does that mean, the gates of hell shall not prevail against? And and, and that, that word picture right there, who is the aggressor? Who's on the offensive? The church. The church is invading hell. And it says the gates of hell cannot prevent the church from invading hell. I believe in the last days, the church of Jesus Christ is going to invade the territory of the devil and is going to take back what Jesus belongs. I believe he's going to take your children and your grandchildren back. Those of you in this room who have children and grandchildren have turned from God and maybe are far from God today, I want you to know Satan cannot stop the church from prevailing, from advancing. And it's going to advance in the very depths where your children and grandchildren are and he's going to bring back to you what Satan's stolen from you. I believe the church is going to advance in America. Yes, we may see persons against it, Christians increase. But you know what that's going to do? It's just going to make Satan, Jesus mad. Jesus loves you. He's your, he's, he's your father. You're his child. And when Satan, when Jesus begins to see Satan attacking you and persecuting you, you know what? The lion of Judah is going to rise up and he's going to defend you and he's going to fight for you. He's going to fight for you. He's going to fight for your health. He's going to fight for your children and he's going to fight for your children's children. See, I believe the world's going to get worse. And I believe persecution is going to increase, but I believe God has got a plan for these days. I believe God's got a plan for Connection Point Church. I believe God's got a plan for Lafayette, Indiana, and nothing that Satan or hell can do can stop Jesus from accomplishing his will on this earth. Pastor told you I'm from Kentucky. Who in here likes Kentucky fried chicken? All right, KFC. I I read this the other day, and it fascinated me and made me angry. In the year 2021, in the middle of a global pandemic, Kentucky Fried Chicken opened 2,400 new locations. That's a new KFC every four hours in 2021. Now, I like fried chicken. I like, I don't eat a lot of it in America, but sometimes when I'm overseas, we look for KFC, they're everywhere. You go in the Arab world, see in the Arab world, they can't eat pork, so KFC's making a lot of money among Muslims because they, all they can eat is chicken and, and beef, you know what I mean? They can't eat anything else, so KFC's like on every corner in the Arab world. But it appalls me that we have a business in the middle of a global pandemic that can start a new location every four hours. Listen, if KFC can do it, why can't the church do it? 
If KFC can start a new location every four hours in the middle of a global pandemic, then why can't the church start churches among Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus? Why can't we start churches in the state of Indiana across America? If KFC can, then the church can. If KFC can, Jesus can. I refuse to allow a business whose primary purpose is to make money to outdo the church of Jesus Christ, whose primary purpose is to transform lives. What you do in this church is multiple times more important than what KFC or McDonald's or any other corporation will ever do. You're in the business of changing lives. When children come to Sunday school and children's church here, you're changing lives. When students from Purdue University come here, you're changing lives. When someone walks off the streets from one of the apartment buildings running your church and enters this building, you're changing lives. What you do is more important than what any entertainment business, what any restaurant, what any government will do. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And what we do is is more significant and more important than any other entity in the world. And I refuse to let a chicken business outdo the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that brings us to what I'm here for. I got a card. As your pastor said back in the 80s, Simply God World Mission started a thing called Juma Prayer. <clears throat> Juma Prayer is we ask Christians all over the world on noon on Fridays to pray for the Muslim world. And the church in America responded. In fact, many of those people began to fast that lunch meal. But for years and years and years, we saw nothing happen in the Muslim world. People are praying, but we're seeing no results. But in the last 10 years, 30 years later, we see more Muslims come to Christ in the world today than in the history of the church. I want to show you a picture. Can we show a picture I sent today? See that church? Isn't that a beautiful building? See that cross up there that's lit up? That cross stays lit up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That cross never turns dark. Now, I helped raise the money for that church. In fact, I was part of the group that helped design the plans for that building. That church is located in Iraq. It's in southern Iraq, among 20 million people. And we know of 50 believers among 20 million people that attend that church right there. Now, I got to tell myself, I, I lacked faith. I went to there, they bought that thing, there was a villa on it, a house, they tore down the house and they started construction and I flew into Iraq with some other, uh, other people and they were showing me the plans of this church. And they showed me that cross on top of it and they said, we're gonna put a cross on top of our church and we're gonna light it up. And I looked at them and I didn't say it out loud, but I thought, are you crazy? <laughs> I looked at them, I wanted to tell them, I'm like, don't you know you live in a rock, you know, kind of like that? And I said, is it wise, this is what I said, I said is it wise to put a cross on your church and have it, doesn't that make you a, a target to terrorism? That's what I said. They looked at me like I was from Mars. Now, I thought it was a pretty good question to myself. I'm like, I'm a rational human being. They said, Kevin, God's called us to build a church in Iraq. 
And we want everybody in this community to know where our church is. So we're putting a cross on top of it, and it's going to be lit up because we want Muslims to come to our church to hear the good news about Jesus. And I want you to know every Sunday that church is open, and every Sunday Muslims are going to that building, and every Sunday Muslims are coming to Christ, and God is protecting They've had no attacks. They've had nothing going against them. I want you to know the Bible says the church will advance even in places like that. And if God can do it in Iraq, he can do it in Lafayette, Indiana. I want you to know he's not a respecter of persons, that if God can fill up a church in in that place, he can fill this place up multiple times. So we're seeing revival among Muslims. But among the Hindu and Buddhist world, I'm just going to be honest with you, we're seeing almost no results at all. Billion people. And we're seeing almost no fruit. So Assembly of God leadership got together and said, we're, we're grateful for what God's doing in the Muslim world, but we began to pray, what are we going to do about the Hindus and Buddhists? Because Jesus in Revelation said every nation, every people, every language, right? So we started what we call the Buddhist Hindu priority. We're still reaching Muslims. We're still going to Europe. We're still doing all the things we're going to do, but we're making the Buddhist and Hindu world a priority. I told you beginning this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do something that will impact nations and change the world, and here's what it is. We set three goals. Three goals in the next five years, beginning in January or 20 years, we want to see three things happen in the next five years. Number one, 150 new missionaries that will go to the Hindu-Buddhist world. You might be one of those 150. Your pastor said in a couple of weeks he's going to preach about going. Maybe some of you students... You may have a vision to be an engineer or a doctor or a teacher, but maybe the Holy Spirit right now is pointing at your heart saying, I'm calling you to go to the Buddhist Hindu world. And I want to encourage you, if you hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit saying that, we want you to go. Number two, we're trying to raise $5 million in the next five years to mobilize missionaries in the Buddhist Hindu world. Here's why. You cannot get a missionary visa in the Buddhist and Hindu world. We call them creative access countries. And we've got to have money to start businesses and other platforms in order to get missionaries into those places of the world because most of those governments are resistant to Americans or missionaries entering it. Does that make sense? So we need a war chest, so to speak, $5 million that will enable us to get that 150 missionaries into the Buddhist world. But then here's where you come in. Here's where you can change the world, right here from Lafayette, Indiana. We're asking for 50,000 prayer partners. See, we remember Juma Fellowship back in the 80s when people were praying for the Muslim world. And we rejoice 30 years later that we're seeing the fruit. But right now, we do not have a prayer movement for the Buddhist Hindu world. So we made it easy. These cards are on our table in the foyer. My wife will be back there in the service. There's a QR code on this thing. If you go to the QR code, it'll send you to a thing where you can sign up to be one of those 50,000 prayer partners. But in addition to that, when you sign up to be a prayer, here, here's when they told me this, like we're going to have 50,000 people pray for the Hindu's Buddha world. I thought, I want to be one of those people. But can I be honest? I don't know how to pray for the Buddhist Hindu world. Like, okay, God, save the Hindus. Well, what else do you say, right? So we've started a thing called Build the Gap Prayer Guide. Bridge the Gap Prayer Guide. When you go to this QR code and sign up, you'll begin to get a weekly email that will give you prayer points and praise reports. 
so that you will be equipped to know how to pray effectively for the Hindu Buddhist world. So this QR code does two things. One, you sign up because we want to know when we get to the 50,000 mark because we're going to throw a party in Springfield. When we get 50,000 people who will say, we'll be a prayer partner for the Buddhist Hindu world, we're going to throw a party, okay? So we want you to be one of those 50,000. Number two, we want to equip you with the resources you need so you know how to pray effectively for the Hindu Buddhist world. And from right here in Lafayette, Indiana, you can change the world. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to leave your home. You don't have to leave this wonderful church. All you got to do is sign up. We made it easy for you. Friends, I believe the world's going to grow worse. And I believe persecution is going to increase because Jesus said it would. But I also believe the church is going to advance like never before in these last days. And I want to be a part of that. I'm going to be 57 years old next uh, May 9th week. So I don't, you know, in my ministry, I may have 10, 15 years left. I want those years to count. I want to make a difference in my life. I don't want my life just to be about worldly goods, things. I don't want to end my life saying I just kind of puttered out. I want my last days to be my best days. I want my last days to be my most impactful days. And sometimes, guys, when we talk about prayer, it's just like the token thing. But I promise you, that church in Iraq is there because back in the 1980s, people fasted a, a lunch on Friday and got on their knees and they prayed for the Muslim world. And even though they didn't see results that next day or that next week or that next year, in fact, it took decades. But today, there's a church and there's a cross on top lit up, shining a light in the middle of southern Iraq. You know what? That's what I want my life to be. I want my life to count for something more. And I know this church. You attend this church for the same reason. Because you want your life to count. So I'm asking you. Will you go on the table after the service? And will you take your phone and open up this QR code? And will you sign up to be one of our 50,000 prayer partners? And when that email comes, don't just look at it or put it, I want you to open it. And that prayer newsletter is going to come. And would you just, even if it's at your desk at work during lunch, or even if it's at home in the morning when you open your email, would you pray for the Buddhist Hindu world? You know what? You might not see the results in your lifetime. There may not be a missionary who comes here that tells you, that shows you a picture on the wall. But when you get to heaven, I want you to have a vision with me. You've seen Jesus. You've been reunited with family members that have gone up to heaven before you. And then some Buddhist or Hindu man comes to you and looks at you and says, thank you. I'm here today because of you. And you look up to them and say, have I ever met you? No. Well, where are you from? Well, I'm from Sri Lanka or India or Vietnam or North Korea. Well, I, I couldn't have never met you. I, I've never been to there. Yeah, but I'm here because of you. You say, well, how could you possibly be in heaven because of me when we've never met and I've never been in your country? 
And that person looks at you and says, because on May 1st, 2022, you signed up to be a prayer partner. And you faithfully prayed for the Buddhist and Hindu world. And because of you, one of those 150 missionaries came to my city and to my village, and they shared Jesus with us. And I, as a little boy, heard that missionary speak. And something came alive in my heart. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I lived for him all the days of my life. And I'm in heaven because of what you did on May 1st, 2022. I challenge you, be that person. Pastor. Worship, worship team, if you want to join me, would you just bow your heads right now? I want to ask you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Some of you, he's, he is calling to be a prayer partner, to pray for the Buddhists and the Hindus around the world. Some of you, he's calling to go. And I know it's a mess when you think about it, but he's calling. I think a good question to ask uh, individually and as a body is, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do with this? So, Lord, I just ask that question, Lord, not, not just as the pastor of this church, but as an individual. What do you want Amy and I to do about the lost people in these regions of the world. But as the pastor, God, what do you want our church to do so we can be a part of what you're doing in this world? I pray that you would speak clearly to individuals. Speak clearly, God. to the people, God, that can do something about what is happening. Lord, I know you have a plan for us, and I know you're speaking right now to some. I pray that you give them courage to respond to you.